Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the TSB podcast. In this episode, we have with a successful investor and entrepreneur, Connor Bruggeman. Through this interview, you'll learn how Connor started trading penny stocks, how he turned it into a business and sold it, and how his interest has led him to work in wildly different industries. This episode is great for any aspiring hustlers out there and individuals looking to leverage their skills in different businesses. Also, small side note, the audio gets choppy midway through, but stick with us. It's only for a short segment of the interview. And besides that, I hope you enjoy. The internet, social media would make like YouTube videos of NBA players, highlight mixes and stuff. Uh, started a couple online publications for sports, Denver Sports 303, Edmund Sports 22. I uh, got kicked off of Google AdSense when I was 14. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like started busting tables in high school, saved up some money. Uh, started trading stocks and, uh, you know, kind of the, it's been a crazy journey over the past uh, six, seven years. Awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely am super curious about that stock trading. And, you know, you starting your own company, you know, in high school, because when you think about the world of finance, right, you think if I'm going to make any type of living in finance, I got to have gray hair, I got to be in the business <laughs> for, you know, for 30 something years, be a grandfather. But here you are, a high schooler, you know, starting your own business, being wildly successful. Walk me through kind of what it was like going into trading and then starting your own business in trading. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, trading was always interested in me, uh, interested to me. So, I mean, I, I saved up 10 grand in a checking account. My dad has a finance background. He's like, all right, Thanksgiving, you half a percent, a percent. Um, you know, we're all investing like dividend yielding stocks like Verizon, AT&T, uh, PSENG, like all the safe companies out mm-hmm. there, really. Of course. Um, and then I started reading about like small cap stocks, micro cap stocks. So these are companies, uh, $50 million and under market cap, uh, trading on the OTC majority of the time. And I, uh, actually read about a guy online, Tim Sykes, who turned, uh, 9,700 or like $10,000 into 3 million. Wow. Uh, so I was super inspired by his story and, you know, really just educated myself through like just spending a lot of time on the computer. Uh, learning how to read SEC filings, and uh, ultimately started trading stocks uh, sophomore year, junior year of high school, um, and kind of long story short, turned ninety seven hundred into over three hundred and eighty thousand dollars over two years uh, trading on my iPhone. And iPhone. <laughs> wow, that's are we are we talking at least senior year? Make me feel a little good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> senior, senior year, senior year was launching my first company, but like wow. uh, I would like it was physics class junior year, so I would like I, I sucked at physics, man. I was bad at school, uh, so I was like, all right, physics class third period, nine thirty a.m. It starts, and I'm like, all right, that's when the market opens, so I gotta mm-hmm. see how it go, see what's going on, make my trades. So I would I'd, uh, like be in the hallway for half of that period almost every day. How important? How important is self education at such a young age that way? Because we have the thing, the internet at our fingertips, and and there are so many different ways to to educate ourselves. But I feel like a lot of people are kind of scared to to take a route like that, like you did. Yeah, that's a great question. I think self education is vital. Um, the internet's a uh, world of resources. Like I, I love listening to podcasts and like fireside chats on YouTube. So. Uh, if it's like in finance, I just want to hear someone that's like been successful, has done it, you know, in the space that I'm interested in and just hear how they talk about things. Like what, you know, what did they do when they were learning? What mistakes did they make? And it's like, you know, instead of watching Netflix, instead of watching uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody on Disney Plus, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. 
start uh, listening to like some fireside chats or like you know even if you want to like just learn a random skill like Udemy it's uh like an mm-hmm. online education platform you learn how to like speak Spanish for 40 bucks now like <laughs> yeah. no <laughs> so yeah it's super important to just you know leverage everything out there the internet has all the answers and you could learn more about any topic you're interested in 100% man and so you know this is what I really love to hear about and so you know you were so good at finance and I'm assuming the majority of your trades you were saying were in penny stocks right yeah that's correct about I've made about 2,800 trades in my career and I'd say wow. 2,100 of them were like micro cap penny stocks yeah okay yeah so we're talking like at least 75% and for me you know what I really love about the story is not only did you make so much money while you were so young you thought, how can I monetize this even further? Instead of just being a great trader, I can actually create a business around this and create another source of revenue. Can you talk to me what it was like starting a business around trading Investor's Corner and how you went about building that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Like, uh, Definitely a lot of adversity just getting it started. My parents are actually super against it. Mm-hmm. So um, my senior year, I was uh, like, well, the, basically, so my grades suffered from my trading. Um, mm-hmm. But I was doing a lot of like, other things. So like when I was starting to think about common apps, potentially going to college, uh, I was like, no one's going to believe this shit if I wrote it in a common <laughs> app. So I'm like, all right, maybe get, get some press and uh, make it look legit. So I had a plan of basically hiring this publicist and then parlaying it into like starting Investor's Corner a few months uh, beforehand. And, you know, sort of using that as a way to like accelerate my business, get in front of potential partners and stuff. So uh, definitely some headwinds at first, but uh, I was uh, very persistent with like swaying my parents because I uh, couldn't sign the contract. I was 16, 17 at the time. So they had to sign the yeah. service agreement. Um, but finally, like kind of swayed them. But my, my, I looked at it as like there was a niche for learning how to trade online because um, I was somebody in, the, in like, you know, uh, all those tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people's shoes who want to learn how to trade stocks. There's really not a lot of resources out there. And I was like, oh, you know, I can create something and sort of fill that void in the market. Yeah, man, that's awesome to figure out that at such a young age that you could kind of be that voice. And, you know, you're saying your parents were really against it, but was there any kind of pushback when you were trying to promote it? When it was like, I'm trying to learn how to trade stocks and here is some kid who can't even legally drink a beer yet telling me that you're good with my finance. Did you get any pushback like that from the public? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the first article that came out about me was on The Verge and it's, uh, I'd awesome. say 75% of the comments were negative. Like, even if you go back to it, like, The uh-huh. Verge article on me, like, so much negativity. So, I mean, I kind of expected that, but, like, I was so caught up in, like, you know, sort of having like all the dots start to connect and, you know, the, you know, everything's starting to unfold sort of before my eyes. So it, it didn't really bother me. I think uh, it's super important to like tune out the noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, I did like network marketing and that's like super controversial. Everybody hates that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess it made my skin a little bit thicker. This uh, <laughs> go around. Can you go a little bit more into that network marketing? Because that is something that Vince had told us about, and I was really interested in that. That's that's some crazy stuff you had going on there too. Yeah, um, I think this was like fuck, uh, freshman sophomore year of high school, so I was like fourteen, like sixteen at the time, um, and I did Vima, so I was in Vima for about a year. Like a car for you. Um, so, like, I mean, it was like a couple grand a month in income. 
Um, but really learned a lot about just like sales, um, public speaking, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but I'd say like 90% of people like definitely were against network marketing and sort of like hated on it. So kind of taught you how to like deal with diversity. I'm not going to lie. I remember you inviting me to one of the, uh, one of the, uh, Vima like meetings and yeah. I, I a hundred percent didn't go. I like to not know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's so funny. And so, okay. So from there you have investors corner, right? So you've created it, you've built a business, you get some bad press, but it starts picking up, right? And yeah. then from there, you know, he's picking up. I'm assuming you're making some decent money from it. I'm assuming at some point, just because you don't work anymore, you must have gotten a call or someone must have put in a bid to buy your business. Is that kind of how it played out? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I scaled it up to about like 20K or so a month uh, in revenue when I was in school. I had one one or one partner at the time and a chat room moderator. So, like two, two, two people on the team. Uh, and then uh, I did get a potential investment by two angel investors who wanted to take a stake in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that deal on the table as well as a partnership uh, like uh, agreement with Tim Sykes to join his company profitly as a guru. Uh, so I was on his platform. I ended up uh, you know, kind of looking at both deals, looking at both directions for the company. Uh, I ultimately decided to take the partnership. profitly uh tim's background back when he he's like 30 like 30 years old now um mm-hmm. something like that and uh when he was 18 19 in college turned a few thousand into a few million uh, and started an incredibly successful education platform so ended up joining that team but um yeah it was definitely a crazy experience just like seeing the company grow super fast and you know a lot of uh partnerships and investment ops acquisition offers that I was presented with. Cutting out a little bit there, Connor. Yeah. Would you say in that last part? Uh, yeah. It had a potential, like, like, you know, investment opportunity, investment offers, partnership offers, and an acquisition offer over like a three month period. Wow. What, what, did, that, what did that feel like at such a young age to, to see all that come flooding at you? Yeah, could you handle that? I feel like that's some Zion moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just got to have fun. I, I mean, I, I tried to just enjoy the journey as much as possible. Like, you know, it's certainly overwhelming, but I was more just like lost in the sauce where like I was just having a good time with it. Like, you know, something else, like another challenge would get thrown at me. And like, you know, when you're kind of like in the zone, you're you're doing your thing, you're, you know, super comfortable in your environment. Um, you know, that's where all the magic happens. Oh, yeah, of course. I love that. And so a lot of people who listen to this, they're all, you know, some are in high school, but a lot of them are in college, young entrepreneurs. What would you, what piece of advice would you give to a young entrepreneur who, was, who could be around your age, anywhere from like 18 to 22, trying to start their business? If you could pass down one piece of wisdom that you learned, what would you give them? Uh, yeah, I'd say like I, my, my answer is twofold here. So I'd say like first part is like really research whatever idea or industry you're looking to embark on to say you have an idea for um, a new energy drink. Like research the market, see like more and industry-wide sales trends, see who the, the large uh, industry leaders are, who has market share, who's doing it, who are the big dogs, who are the small dogs in the industry. And really look at like who you're competing against. Because when you start a business, you're ultimately like competing against somebody and it's, you know, it's a game, it's competition. So, you know, look at who you're competing against, look at like areas of weakness of their business, areas of strength, 
Um, and then when you're in it, like, you know, have tunnel vision and, you know, really just enjoy the, the journey. I think, you know, it's uh, when you're building a company, you meet a lot of cool people. Uh, and I think it's important to like focus on, like really build those relationships and develop partnerships with other companies, other people in the space. Uh, and really, you know, just focus on relationships first because that's ultimately how you build a successful company. Yeah, that, that's kind of the crux of what you really founded the success model is really just finding the different types of successes that people like yourselves have had and then just meeting them, building that relationship and learning more about it and just, you know, creating like the learning platform, this learning platform for people, excuse me, that they may not have had otherwise. It's really awesome to just be able to build those types of relationships when you're building a company or a website or a blog or any of those types of things in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And people will see what you're doing and really gravitate towards it. You're like, oh, awesome. Like these guys are doing good. They're, you know, their platform's providing right. value to users and they're going to want to help. Um, and I think the more people you talk to, the more you put yourself out there. Um, you know, like that's where all the magic happens and, you know, uh, good things start to have, uh, start to flow for your company. It becomes mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, no, 100%. And so kind of making a transition now. So, that's awesome. So you had Investors Corner, you know, you worked with Tim Sykes, who was like a childhood hero of yours. You finally get to work with him, which is amazing. Then you make this transition onto Herb. So tell me, where does finance and cannabis meet? What's the, what's the issue <laughs> of the two? Yeah, maybe just like weed stock showing up on my stock scanner. I think that was about <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was sort of um, kind, like, kind of like gone uh, to a point where I was like, finished with finance, like everything I kind of wanted to achieve with uh, Investor's Corner and trading that I achieved. And um, I think like, you know, it's important as an entrepreneur to know your goals going in. Like uh, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to work on the same project for 20 years. You want to like start something, move on to the next thing. So I was sort of done with uh, uh, Investor's Corner and uh, was working out of a entrepreneurship incubator in Newark called Founders uh, with a buddy of mine who started it, Gerard Adams, the co-founder of a successful publication called Elite Daily. And uh, he just happened to have a a meeting with the founder of Herb on like a random like Tuesday in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be there. Uh, What what Herb is, it's uh, the second largest cannabis media and technology platform in the world. So it has a social following of about 14 million across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, over 4 million uniques coming to the site. Uh, so a super like successful digital media play. And when I first met Matt, it was, uh, two people on the team, super startup-y wow. and, you know, always understood the opportunity with cannabis, understood like the rec benefits, medical benefits was ex- like, affected by it, like personally, both on both ends and positive and negative. So super fascinated by the space and saw, um, a lot of opportunities to like build and develop the business, uh, as well as sort of step out of my comfort zone, not being the CEO and sort of learning how to build a business from the ground up. Right. What exactly would you say? Like, what were like the top four or five things that you learned just like not being in that CEO seat? Yeah, I think um, delegation is one thing. It's something that uh, I sucked at early on. Uh, I'm a big yes man, so it's like, oh, we got you know, all this shit needs to be done for a project. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Stay up at two a.m. Dirty work. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'd say that's a big one. Um, really, just like hiring. 
hiring is like one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my career. Like still to this day, it's like the biggest challenge. Um, being able to find and recruit the right people to join your team uh, is super, super tough. And then like once you do hire somebody, you find like, you know, that guy for a specific role, onboarding them, getting them like up to speed, getting, you know, them having autonomy and like independence over their area, their role. Right. Um, just like the mechanics of internal ops uh, was certainly a big, big, big uh, learning curve. Mm hmm. And so, you know, so you're there. And so what was kind of your role as being VP of revenue? What, what was like your day to day like? Connor, are you there? Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, first role when I joined, I was the GM. So I mm -hmm. essentially wore like seven different hats. Uh, primary responsibility was on driving revenue. So when mm -hmm. I joined, the company was making a couple hundred thousand off ad sales. So wow. my job was to develop new uh, advertising products, um, build a pipeline of advertising products on like how we'll scale the business over the next 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, I oversaw like social strategy, content strategy, uh, SEO strategy. So really like how are we driving more users to the platform and how are we generating more revenue off of those users while not compromising user experience uh, on the site or on like our social feeds all right how hard was that to balance you know not intruding on their their personal space and really creating driving revenue with a platform like that it's tough tough uh, <laughs> uh, i think it's like a sales. give and take yeah I, I think it's a give and take um one one area that like we had um a competitive advantage on in the cannabis space you can't do facebook ads you can't do google mm -hmm. adwords ads mm -hmm. Cannabis is a Schedule One drug federally, so like, while it might be legal in a state or it might be legal in Canada, it's you know it's not federal. It's a Schedule One drug by the right. U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So um, platforms dominate about eighty percent of overall internet ad spend. So every mm -hmm. dollar that goes into the internet advertising, eighty percent of it, eighty cents of it's going to Facebook and Google. Right. So we didn't have to compete with those tech giants uh, in the cannabis industry. Uh, companies had to like brands and large like people looking to advertise in the industry had to go to large publishers. So they, what we looked at was like native advertising. One of our uh, lead investors is the chairman of the board at BuzzFeed. So I looked at wow. their business model of natively integrating brands and products into great content. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of what we did was like long form content, like NFL like players talking about how they use cannabis, like both during and after their career, NBA players, uh, veterans, stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we would natively integrate products into that content. So like they would be using a PAPS vaporizer or this thing rips vaporizer uh, right. while we you know produce that video. So when you were uh, building out this this model, um, one thing that we come across as a blog sometimes is, you know, the difficulty with, with copyrights and things like that. When you were using videos of, of NFL players talking about how, or NBA players talking about how they would have used cannabis, were those videos that Herb shot on their own or was that videos that other companies had taken and you had the rights to use on your own platform? Yeah, so with those, we would uh, can, like produce everything in house. So okay. we would uh, produce the video, we cast it, we'd get in touch with the players. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, we make a donation to a charity that they're involved with, um, and then we'll we'll send a crew out to them for two days, do a two day shoot, 
Uh, and then if there's an advertiser on board, we make sure like the athlete or whatever talent is involved is fully aware and make sure it's, uh, you know, it's sort of fair deal for everybody involved. Okay. Wow. Awesome. And so, okay. So you went through that, which is great. And then you built yourself all the way up to VP of revenue and you held that role. But now, you know, it seems like you're kind of going off in your own way and you're thinking about kind of like what your next venture is. So having this background, you know, you go from finance, then, you know, you're working for a cannabis company. If you were to think right now, like, what is like the next role for you? And I know you probably don't have it mapped out. You want some time to relax. <laughs> but if you think about what would be your next kind of step, what industry or what kind of occupation would it be that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, one in industry that's super fascinating to me is legalized sports betting um, mm. and daily fantasy sports. Like I'm a big sports junkie and uh, mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by just like uh, endemic industries, sort of like cannabis, like finance, penny stocks, and now sports betting that are sort of coming out of like the gray market or the black market, like yeah. underground gambling sites and stuff yep. to legalized regulated industries. So uh, the way gambling is going, it's state by state, just like cannabis. Uh, <laughs> none of the companies can advertise Facebook or Google because it's gambling and betting mm-hmm. and they don't promote that. So, uh, yeah, super fascinated about that industry. There's a lot of uh, pretty reputable companies already in the space. But, um, yeah, super fascinated about that. And then consulting, I think, just really being able to work on a project for three to six months, immerse yourself in another company's, like, problem or, you know, potential opportunity and, like, really helping them work towards a, you know, specific goal or work out of a specific, you know, problem or crisis. Got it. No, that's awesome. And from just going off your success, I mean, you amassed it at such a young age and you've kept it, you know, to this point. You're still so young, you know, all of us are, and you have so much ahead of you. But seeing that you did have the success really quickly and really early on, what would you attribute to that? Would you say there were a certain, maybe an author that you read that really helped you out, a blog? You know, I know you said you listened to podcasts. Maybe there was a podcast that really helped inspire you. But this idea of like motivation and what gets someone out of the bed and what kind of role models people have, I find really interesting. So who did you have along the way to really inspire you to kind of become the person that you've turned into? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was always a big believer in like looking up to other very successful entrepreneurs and leaders. So I'm a big like Elon Musk guy, big Bill Gates guy, Steve Jobs. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say more like close to me, my grandpa always supported me in sort of anything I did. Uh, when I was into stocks, he'd make me write like research reports on the like penny stocks I wanted to invest in, and, like pitch it to him. And like then I would go make those investments and sort of always encouraged me and anything I worked on, be like, oh, you're a genius in this. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, it's a garbage research report. And, you know, <laughs> but, 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 you know, it makes you want to work harder. Like you get, you know, that stamp of approval from somebody. Uh, so I think it's important to like be creative and, you know, always surround yourself with people that support you and, you know, want you to do great things. No, that support system is everything, 100%. All right. Absolutely. So- so, Connor, thank you. That was all the questions that we had for you. But before we sign off, we just want to give you an opportunity to kind of let the audience know how they can get in touch with you or follow you on social media. So if you want to give off any links or any websites, please go ahead. Yeah, my, my Instagram is Connor Bruggerman. Uh Definitely follow me on there. And if uh, you ever have any, like, direct questions, my email is Connor, like my name, <laughs> dot Brug, B-R-U-G-G at gmail.com feel free to send me an email uh happy to answer any other questions awesome all right connor thank you so much again for being on the show we really appreciate this and i know our audience will too
Awesome. Thank you for having me. You got it, man. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, it'd mean a lot to us if you could leave a five-star review on Apple Music or whatever platform you're listening to this on. Also, feel free to subscribe so that you never miss another interview where we bring on a wildly successful entrepreneur and pick their brain on how to build and scale a successful business. Until next time.